Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. The Frogs lose 24-17 to the Kansas State Wildcats in Manhattan. And there's really only one response to watching that game. Listen up. Pop a top, my friend. The Frogs are 3-3, three and three, and things do not look well. All right, let's just go ahead and dive right in. There is so much to talk about on this episode, but before we do, we want to thank our sponsor, Teen Life, a great organization in DFW. They invest in junior high and high school students. Dude, I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty hard to be in junior high and high school these days. I don't know if I would have graduated in the world that we live in now. Thanks to good organizations like Teen Life, they support students, help them make good decisions in life, help them move through school, and most importantly, empower them to make responsible decisions for their lives so they can become productive members of society. Go to teenlife.ngo, find a way to volunteer, find a way to give. There's a really high likelihood there's a school in your neighborhood that Teen Life supports. Why don't you get up off the couch, stop watching the game for the third time in a row, and find a way to support kids in this troubled world. All right, Jeremy, I don't know if you have the same response that I do to this game, but you had the joy and the burden of driving all the way to Manhattan, Kansas. We're going to talk ups and downs and all that went wrong and even more that went wrong. But give me your one paragraph assessment. What broke in Manhattan? Man, I knew you were going to ask that question. And like I said on my snap judgments, I I really don't have an answer. I, I mean, the the defense had lapses late in the game, and, and we could all blame the defense for the way they played late. But before that final drive Kansas State had, Kansas State had around 160 yards of uh, offense. TCU's offense, they they round up, uh, what, 366 is what they gained on offense. They still can't pass the ball very well, not very consistently. Drops, wild throws, and they only put 17 points on the board. And But – I don't know, man. I, I really don't know what what this team is. It's it's a crazy, it's a crazy outcome to what not only myself but what a lot of people thought this team was going to be six games through the season. And, and when you look back, they're three and three. They could easily be five and one. They've lost two games by a combined ten points. So, man, I I don't know what else to say about it. It's just I'm very confused. If you asked me for one word about this team, I could have just told you, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm confused as well. I'm trying to find the historical analogy. I keep thinking of the 2013 season where game after game, the Frogs are fighting. They have a an inexperienced quarterback. They, you know, they have a, a lot of problems at quarterback. Casey obviously gets hurt. Boykin had not come into his own. We had an offensive coordinator that nobody, you know, co-coordinators that nobody had any confidence in. But all that being said, every game was a dogfight, and you felt like, man, if we could just get one bounce, things could go our way. You know, I remember 2013 going to Oklahoma. Of course, they were ranked, and we put up, we, we gave them everything that they wanted. I don't know how to say this without sounding crappy, but this is not the 2013 team. This is not a team that is coming up just a little bit short and can point it at a few things, even though we have a freshman quarterback, even though we have an offensive coordinator that people aren't happy about, even though we were in a game like this on the road in, against a, a bowl team in Kansas State. I'm, I'm confused as well because I've got a lot of complaints about the play calling. I've got a lot of complaints about rotation at quarterback, and i got a lot of complaints about uh, – wide receivers dropping second down passes that would have gotten us a first down and kept drives going, which we're, we're going to talk about in a second. 
I don't want to sound like that bro dad that used to coach the Ridgely Roughnecks, but there is no, I do not see a fight in this team. I do not see an edge where, you know, hey, they're a little under, you know, their, their talent's not quite there or, you know, hey, they've got young guys. I, I see something that is missing intrinsically about this team at this moment. And I don't know that I've said that in, in memory. There's clearly something that is not connecting. You know, 2016 was not a great season, and I think we all kind of know that. But there were still some good wins the Frogs were able to put on the board, being able to, you know, blow the doors off of Baylor, being able to beat Texas. I don't know that we're going to have a, a, a parallel analogy to that. And we're staring down the the barrel of six more games that, I don't know, the Frogs front win one of them. How, how many games would they be favored in? One, two? I don't know. But I am very, very confused in this. All right, let's. I'm, I'm going to offer up two things to start here, Jeremy, and then I want you to blow them up, and then you tell me a little bit about the article that you wrote because I think my my assessment's a little bit different about some plays that might have changed everything. Frog score touchdown eight with thirteen forty three to go in the second quarter. They tie the game up. Uh, Kansas State comes back and scores, and we make a quarterback change. So we go from the offense is moving. We're in an up tempo. They're obviously establishing the run. We have that touchdown drive where I don't believe they threw one or completed one pass, and they're able to drive the ball all the way down the field with our two strong running backs. The next series, they go to Alex Delton, not to mix things up, but to throw the ball. And so that right there is one moment where I'm like, this was a poor choice. This was a strategy that I'm not sure what it was trying to do, but it didn't work. Now, I am not a cynic um, by nature. I'm not someone that says I know a whole lot more than than our coaching staff, but I felt like, hey, we got to get out. I felt like they were saying we have to get Alex Delton in the game because we're playing in Kansas State and he used to play here and we need to let him have his moment to shine. This is not kids ball. And if somebody's listening to this that disagrees with me or works for the program, I'm sorry, but I didn't feel good about that moment. That was a marker that I feel like we had momentum and it went away with a poor choice there. Now, the second thing I'm going to put straight on the players, and I'm not going to just throw players under the bus that could all beat me up. The Frogs force a turnover there. In, or no, excuse me. Max takes that crazy run, that amazing run that goes 46 yards for the touchdown, almost 800,000 views of it on Twitter. Amazing run. The team is fired up. And I, I went back and I've watched that series twice since then, and from, from that point to the end of the game. I believe there were four straight three and outs from there, including two second down passes that would have been a first down pass, uh, a reception that were dropped. These were not poor passes. This was just a drop, multiple drops that would have kept drives going that forced us to just punt right away. And then I didn't like the third down play calling either. I don't know what they checked into. I don't know what they saw. I wasn't on the field. But they had this moment where the game is obviously momentum is swinging back our way. The Frogs tie it up. And we are not able to maximize that. And so when I think about a team that is able to perhaps not have a great record but still have a lot of fight in it, they make the most of those opportunities that come their way, and they miss that opportunity in the third quarter all the way to the end of the game. And it just felt inevitable. You know, it really did feel inevitable. I know that, you know, Skylar Thompson takes that run and goes 61 yards up the field through the middle of the defense. I know Coach Patterson kind of put that on himself. But I'm going to say this. I've got nothing – to put on this team other than mistakes on offense and play calling and scheme and rotation. That is all I see, especially in that second half. And that's on the staff and that's on the players. And I'm really hesitant to talk that way, but that's what I saw. And I've watched it a few times and I do not feel good about uh, them bringing their best to this game. So I know that's a little more confrontational than I sound. I'm usually pretty Pollyannic and pick us to win every game. 
they gave that game away and there's no reason they should have had a loss. So you said you didn't know what moment it was. Those are the moments that I look at that I'm like, if that could have been different, they could have won that game. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, Mike, I don't have a question. I had a rant. I've been okay. sitting on that well, rant. You said you were going to ask me two Saturday questions. And then I was, uh, all right. So I'm gonna, all right. Here's my question. Here's my one. All right. Let's start with this question. Uh, I, and I know it's kind of hard to believe, but when I get going, sometimes I forget my spot. That's why I take notes to the pulpit. Um, my would, question would, is this: uh, I would, when, Go, all right, you go ahead. I would, I would say one of the things that 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 you commented on about the the play calling, and I, I, for me, I sit I sit next to Drew Davison. Obviously, he works for Star Telegram. We cover the team. We've been in there. We've watched all these games. And we we kind of get the same ideas every week that the fans get. You know, terrible play calls here or there. Um, receivers dropping the pass, Max overthrowing the ball. And to be honest, we we just kind of looked at. I looked at Drew and I said, "Man, this is really the first game that I don't think that Sonny Cumbie's play calling was the difference. Like it, there's nothing that I can recall. Yeah, Darius Davis got a five yard loss on that reverse, but they got out of the hole and got a first down." So you, that that content that, that drive did not get killed by Darius Davis's reverse uh, handoff, um, but there wasn't really any crazy play calling in in a situation where I didn't like it. They they ran the football. They obviously knew that Max was gonna uh, Max was having success running the football, so they kept giving him plays where he could make those reads. Darius and Shaywo each got thirteen and I think thirteen or fourteen carries, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, they were up in the teens and carries. And and really, I, I think this is the first game where Jeff and and you and I can disagree on this. We'll still be really good friends, but I'm putting this more not on Sonny uh, you know, with his play call. I'm putting this on the players and their execution. Um, that first drive of the game, you have a wide open to Valence Hunt. Max Duggan overthrows him by three or four yards. That's a touchdown. That's a touchdown, and that's the that's that sets the tone early where. If TCU gets on the board on their first possession, that's huge. That's very huge. And all of a sudden, Kansas State's having to play out of their element a little bit. Then you had some other drop passes. Um, but there there really wasn't anything, and in, in, in Gary basically admitted that it was him that wanted Alex Delton in there. I don't know why people are surprised. Alex was going to play no matter what. He was. Gary told us on Monday. He told us on Tuesday. Alex was going to play. It's not – he's not – letting him play because it's Kansas state. He's done that the whole year and, and people can complain about all they want. And, and, and yeah, some of it's merited, but, or warranted, sorry. Um, but the, the thing about it is he's played three possessions out of the past 25. It's not like TCU's using a true two quarterback system. It's, it's, it's not working that way. It's and and against SMU, he played exactly one play. So they've really given the reins to max, even though Alex plays some, this is Max's team. It's Alex has nothing to do with it. Would I have put Alex in in a different situation uh, right after they scored? Yeah. Um, I, I probably would have put him in, like I said on the board, I probably would have put him in the drive that they actually scored on because the first three drives, they they had to punt. So I think at the fourth possession, they should have brought Alex in, but they brought in Max. Obviously, he got some good run plays. Uh, Darius got some good run plays. Shaywell scored a touchdown. They ran 10 plays, 76 yards, all on the ground. So you had a little momentum there. Now, if if Max would have came out and shredded the defense, throwing the ball, and they come in and 
tried to throw the ball out. Not the but they the ball. Got a little fast, which, uh, not good because I can't remember who was playing right tackle. Might have been. I don't know if it was Niang or Myers that just got blown up, and Alex had to get rid of the ball fast. But then on third down, he completes it nine yards to Jalen, and that's all we saw of Alex. I mean, really, he only he passed that third down because he had to. It was a third and long. Um, so I'm not defending Alex. I'm not defending Gary Patterson. Uh, I even said it in my snap judgments. Would I've put him in that situation? Probably not. But putting Alex in that situation, I don't care. You, had, you They had 12 total drives. That's not the reason they lost that game. But because they put Alex in there, and, and, and I made the point on the board too, if there was momentum ever in this game, it was after that touchdown run you were just talking about, Jeff, that 46-yard touchdown that's been viewed 800,000 times. That brought – I mean, if that was so, so energetic, that run. I mean, this, even the, the stadium was just – I think Kansas State's were even cheering for that play. But anyway, the, the sideline just erupted with that play. And if there was going to be momentum in that game to be had, it was right there at that moment. But in the very next series, they come out, they don't execute, and they have to punt. So it's not like it's not like Alex just totally ruined the chance of TCU get, uh, having a win. I understand possessions are key. The number of possessions you get are key. But Alex Delton playing in that game did not cause TCU to lose. I'm sorry. I, I, I disagree with people that are saying that on the site because, like I said, they're building mountains out of molehills. Everyone's got this microscope on Alex. Everyone's got this, for whatever reason, They all of a sudden these, these younger fans got this microscope on Gary Patterson. And Gary Patterson, has to, he, he's going to make changes. He's he's not dumb enough and oblivious enough not to make changes if things continue the way they do. He's shown a history of doing that. But the point of the matter is, is we we can't look at that and just completely just say that's the difference in the ball game. It, it's not because there was no guarantee that even if Max would have came back in, that they would have scored. So the defense, like I said earlier, lapses in in some of the coverages, um, not tackling really well, but. I, I will agree with you in this regard, Jeff. I, I do believe it was on the offense, but I think it was more of the execution than anything, and that's that's on the players. Yeah, I'm gonna I, I, I almost agree with everything you said, and maybe I'm a little picky on that first one that hey, this isn't the series to put Alex in, but all that being said, um, you know, the, the frogs held him to 266 yards. And, you know, 60, 60, 61 of them were on that one run yeah. that Patterson knows exactly what happened and uh, that opened the door for that. So if they don't have that run, because the problem with that run is not just that they went 61 yards, it's that they, they started that series at the five and went 95 yards to win to, to, to win the game. That's the problem is they started that series at the five. And, you know, hey, the offense didn't uh, move the ball on that, on that, but they, they were able to, to pin them deep and do everything that they were supposed to do. And then all the defense needed to do was force a punt. All they had to do was force a punt or even, right. you know, even force a field goal. But they still ended up letting them go 95 yards. So 95 of the 266 yards were gained on the only drive that, you know, I know every drive matters, but on the drive where they really had to get a stop. But I'm going to agree with you on the, the execution. I mean, I think we're of one accord on that. That there, there were drop passes. Um, they, you know, Max overthrew a couple of receivers a couple of times. He missed, he missed some receivers. The one that you pointed out to Hunt, but the one, you know, the first series, the first series after I mean, they got it, the ball back after Max's run, they went out, they forced yeah. a three and out, they get the ball back, and Hunt drops a ball that's a first down, and then they get that uh, third down and they throw it deep, and they weren't able to execute. That's 
Right. That's where I'm going to, I'm going to, that's, that's where I'm going to defer to my lack of knowledge of what they checked into. But I am going to say when you need that, that's not what we're trying to do in that, in, in that play. And I'm going to, I'm going to defer that they, maybe if he saw something I didn't see, he, I know he saw something he didn't see. All that being said, you got to get a first down there and they had opportunities to get the first down there and they didn't. And that was the, that execution negates the momentum, which this offense seems to need to be built upon. So that's the frustrating that, thing for me. And that and that's a young quarterback. And I and I could promise you, as many guys that hate Cumbie, he's not over there telling Max, "Hey, if something comes open deep, go for it." He's not. He's he's telling them to get move the sticks. Okay, get get the necessary yardage to move the sticks. And that's that's a young quarterback for Max. I mean, he's he's got to learn to. He had two of those situations in that game where it was a third and four, and I think a third and uh, third and six, maybe. I can't. I, I wrote it down, but he went. Yeah, it was a third and six. I, I think even I think even on the Tavalence hunt that it might it was a third and seven. Um, so that's a little bit longer of a play, but it, it, it's it's not Cumby over there telling him go deep. That's just the checks that that Max was making, and 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 really the way he was running, you would have wished that he might have just ran for a couple of those first downs. And I think that's something that as we, as we move forward, teams are going to have to be aware of his running ability and that's going to open some of those passing lanes. And if you look at that last drive, that last drive, and this is what Gary said after the game, we want him to throw the ball like he did that last drive. I mean, he found Jay, it, the one bad thing I'll say about Max on that uh, next to final drive where they actually drove down and he did not look at another receiver unless he had a number one on his jersey. He took that ball and he was looking right the whole time. And that's what they need to do with him. And it, that's that's what he needs to understand. The coaches can tell him until they're blue in the face. Sonny can tell him, throw to Rager, throw to Rager. But if 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 Max is, isn't going to listen, then that's not on Sonny. There's there's times even the ball where where he threw it to Tavalence and Tavalence tripped. That's a third down. I'm not throwing to the valence hunt after he's dropped the passes a couple of times. I'm, I'm finding number one, number one. And so that last drive, they were playing a, a, a pretty intense defense. They were playing pretty close, but Max was calm. He was poised. He threw it. He threw a good pass to Jalen on the sideline, threw another good one over the middle, threw another one to him that Jalen made a tremendous catch on that. That's the kind of plays we all know that he can make. When given the opportunity, he's you give him the 50-50 ball, he's going to come down with it more more often than not. I, I promise you. But the last the, where they got that first and ten after Jalen made that great catch, I don't know what happened to Anthony McKinney, but all of a sudden he decided he's not going to block anymore because Hubert ate his lunch basically for three of those four plays that they had right there. And 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 really, well, he's also the guy that was on the field when he shouldn't have been to have twelve men on the field to start the game. Anthony, I, I don't know who who ended up being the the wrong guy on the field, but um, I I know when it mattered the most because I mean that's another thing <laughs> we can get all offense about first and fifteen penalty on the first play of the game, but they again they dug themselves out of that hole. They they were able to overcome that, and, and used to you're looking at that. Oh, it's a there's a drive killer right there, five yards. That's a drive killer, but at least they they overcame some of those things uh, against Kansas State. But I mean, Hubert just ate his lunch uh, out of those the four plays they had after they got that first down. The first down, he got sacked. Max got sacked. Second down, uh, I believe it was. 
an incomplete pass maybe. Third down, Max gets pressured again. This time he escapes the pocket, gets eight yards. And then fourth down, Hubert gets around McKinney yet again and is able to to get a hand on the ball as Max is throwing it toward Jalen. Now, I don't know if Jalen's going to make that catch or not. He had a safety over the top. He was behind the DB or the corner. Um, would have been a tough catch, tough completion, but you at least you at least would have liked to have seen what would have happened if Max had time to throw that ball. But that's that's not again, that's not on that's not on the coaches. That's on execution. That's 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 a player not doing his what they call around TCU, his one eleven. He's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. Out of eleven guys on the field, he's not doing his part. And it takes all eleven guys to do their part for a play to even gain one foot sometimes. And for him to 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 not I mean, he, he did a good job on Hubert most of the day and when it really mattered the most, just like on defense, when it really mattered the most, they couldn't come up with the big plays to to get the win. And uh it there's gonna be a lot of finger pointing. There's gonna be finger points on, on the defense, there's gonna be fingers pointed on the offense. It, to me, it I'm not trying to be a homer, sugarcoat everything. Uh, I don't I don't know where this team uh, is going to get six wins to get to a bowl game, but I also know this. There's three teams in the Big 12 right now that are head and shoulders above everyone else. That's Oklahoma, that's Iowa State, and that's Baylor. The, set, the other seven teams, it's a crapshoot. You don't know what you're going to get. You really don't. So I can't sit here and say TCU's not going to win any of those games because, hell, we might go out Saturday and see them play Texas. Now, do I think it's going to happen? Not right now. But the way the Big 12 has been played this year, TCU could very easily go out there and, and get a weird win. I'm not, let me hold on. All I rewind, know is rewind, Kansas hold on, rewind. Forth- I'm not going to say very easily. I'm going to say very surprisingly, okay. <laughs> very surprisingly, get a win over Texas. That's just that's just as crazy as it's been. If you watch the rest of the Big Twelve, those three teams at the top, they're 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 playing really good football right now. Those other sevens, those other seven teams. I mean, did you watch Texas Kansas? Now that's that's where you get caught in a trap because now everyone sees Kansas scoring forty eight against Texas. Now everyone's going to assume TCU should be able to score forty. That's not the case. That is not the case. It's not going to happen like that. TCU will not score 40 on Texas. I promise you. I bet my mortgage they won't score 40. That's not saying that I don't believe believe in them. Well, yeah, it is. But I'm just saying that we shouldn't we shouldn't look at what other teams score against each other and determine how good uh, uh, TCU is going to be because guess what? That's what happened to me against Kansas State because I was looking at Kansas State, looking at how they were performing, and all of a sudden they score – twice as much on offense than what they've scored against Oklahoma State and Baylor. And all of a sudden on defense, they were able to get one last stop, and that was the difference in the game. I'm calling it right now. The Frogs will score more than 40 against uh, Texas. So <laughs> I will I will put my mortgage on that. I live in a parsonage, but I'll put my mortgage on that, baby. There you go. You know, I, I don't know what I disagree with you about, Jeremy, but I will say this. I – I don't know at what point the lack of execution transfers back to the coaching staff. That's the question. When do drop passes that are chronic? I mean, this is a this is a 2016 till now issue essentially. When do those passes become chronic? When do we start to say this is a coaching issue? When do uh, that th- that's the struggle I have because 
I do see I do see it on the players. I do see it on the execution. And you know, I see Anthony McKinney decide, hey, now's a really good time to play patty cake with a with a rush in. When does that transfer back to the staff? That's the question. I agree with you that there's going to be changes. I'm not naive or Pollyannic about what T, what Gary Patterson is going to do if if this trend continues. Yeah. And I think we've already reached a point where even if we rally a little bit, there's still not going to be change. There's still going to be changes. I don't know where that line crosses from. Hey, knucklehead, catch the ball like we've gone over and practiced the last since early August. To there's not you know have the, this is going to get real conspiratorial, which I despise. Are they done listening? Do they not hear what they say anymore? Is is the staff lost the team? Is is it just in triage now where we try to figure out who to redshirt and who not and hope that nobody transfers? That seems to be the that's the that's the concern I have. And if they get blown out by Texas, which is one of five options in this game, you know, what does that say about the rest of the season because that scares me to death. So What I would say that, about that's kind of what races through my mind. What I would say about the receivers, they haven't been consistent. And you have a new receivers coach. And you're talking about a guy that has got he's got some skins on the wall. He's he was good good at Oklahoma, all American, got drafted second round. People speak highly of him, and yet the receivers are still dropping. So at some point you gotta start putting the blame where the blame should be. Coaches coaches can't make a kid. He could tell them all day long how to catch a football. But that doesn't mean a kid's gonna catch a football. Sometimes it goes with the talent. Sometimes the fingers got to be pointed at the at, at the players. Now the coaches are never going to say that because they don't want to they don't want to uh, you know get get to where the player doesn't believe in himself. But it's obvious that there's there's a problem catching the football for the receivers. And it really, it, if anything has proven been proven to us, it doesn't matter who the receivers coach is because they're still dropping passes. So yeah, this year you can you can put the blame on. I get, you know, people want to put blame on Max because how hard he throws. Yeah, there's there's some passes where he does not need to throw a 90 mile an hour fastball. Um, but I do like the guy on the board that constantly remarks that it's funny how his high school receivers, which were high school receivers in Iowa, were able to catch. Sorry, Jeff, no no offense, but they were able to catch Max's passes pretty good. So, uh, hey, I take great offense <laughs> to that. Do you realize how many D3 schools gave me a chance to walk on the practice team? That should tell you everything you need Man, to know I'm about the you. talent level in, in Iowa. <laughs> hey, the, the game I saw Max play, they sure as heck didn't. I, I saw them drop one pass, but it was actually a, a pretty good deep pass. It wasn't one of those 90-mile-an-hour uh, fastballs. So um, it it's it boils down to, to, to a few things for offense. I think, like I said earlier, now that – now that teams know that Max can take off and run with his running ability, I think that's going to open some things up. Uh, I hope, and I think they will, I hope they go back and look at the easy the easy pitch and catch routes they had to Jalen late in the game and try to go to those early in the game. Because if he could throw that way late in the game, he could throw that way early in the game. He may have some adrenaline. But you know what? The kid's going to have adrenaline when you're trying to bring a team back when you're down and you only got two minutes to go. So there's there's really no bigger adrenaline moment for a quarterback than than that moment in a two-minute drill. So I, I hope that – here's one thing I do like. We, we did see a little bit of up-tempo. 
they would they would get a first down and they would rush to the line and they'd get the pass out to Tay Barber real quick and he got a 13 yard gain one time another time he got seven or eight yards they did it one time to Jalen he got five or six yards that's that's what I'm talking about they if, if they can figure out <clears throat> excuse me I'm getting emotional talking about receivers Jeff I'm sorry uh, but no if they could <laughs> no if they could figure hey, out a I way, understand my friend. <laughs> About if they could figure out a way to just keep implementing that, I mean that that was something. And if you get those deep completions to 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 Valence, that's a sixty yard difference. All of a sudden, Max is over two hundred yards passing. And then if you get some of those drops into catches, I mean that's it's so close. But and I know I'm going to catch hell on it because people have certain guys under a microscope, especially Cumbie. And Drew will back me up on this. This 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 was really, truthfully and honestly, the, the first game that we looked at where you you look at it and, and think there wasn't there wasn't such a horrendous play call in this game that was the difference. And if you go back and watch every play, if you go back and look at the pivotal plays, I didn't mention any terrible play calls because if they did have a bad play call early on in some drives, I paid close attention to how they overcame that. Did that, did the drive end or did the drive continue? And like I mentioned earlier, the Darius Davis reverse, probably not a good play. They overcame that. The, the probably the only one I could think of is when Delton did that little floater pass to Darius and he got pounded in the backfield then they get nine yards the next play, and then they have to punt. That was that was probably the only play, but I don't know if that was necessarily Sonny's fault or Alex's fault. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's 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 really the first, I the hear first you, game man. where I, hear you. I walked out of there and I, I I looked at Drew and I said, "Man, I I don't know how the hell they lost. I, I really I can't I can't put my finger on it." logically like we know they why they lost because Garrett Wallow broke on a or he he bit on a play fake they got a blocked punt they gave up a 95 yard drive late in the game we know those things but it, it's one of those games that just it leaves you scratching your head and you're you're just wishing that that was one of the games where the offense finally executed everything that they were supposed to execute and they didn't but you know on to the next week On to the next week. All right, let's shift gears here a little bit. I want to read some thoughts from our board. I put on our board, hey, what's your one change you would make at this point in the season as well as how do you handle these uh, how do you handle these tough seasons? Because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but fans are kind of irrational. Uh, one of our good friends on the board, he's famous, uh, Texas State Reptile, says the one thing he would do is absolutely have fun these are seven. These are eighteen to twenty-two year olds, except for the punter. Uh, I would sell my soul to go back forty-five years and play football. It looks like it's a struggle, and it but it should be fun. Uh, McFrog says the one thing that he would do is consider a live broadcast with a call-in feature. Dude, we can't even get the three of us to be online at the same time in a functional way. So I would love that. I would love that. You know, maybe we should have an on-site in Fort Worth at Heim Barbecue some night and see if we can record a show and have Travis set up set us up with some brisket. Um, here's one thing that I did want to read that's worth noting. This is, this is something we, neither one of us have mentioned and we should, we both should have 
Only one team in all of college football has forced yep. less turnovers, and that's New Mexico State. I think we all underestimate how big it was losing two defensive ends. Additionally, uh, you know, the the situation with SMU and with Kansas State, if we're able to just get one more stop and one more touchdown, we're probably 5-1 and one in rank number 15. I think that turnover uh, issue can't be underestimated because – but it goes two ways here. I'm, I'm just going to say this because I was going to say it when you were talking earlier. We need to start forcing more turnovers, and I do think the defensive ends have a lot to do with that. But my gosh, you got to give uh, Max Delton credit because how many interceptions does he have right now, Jeremy? Wait, hold, hold, hold on, what'd you what'd you call him? Uh, I, I <laughs> Max Duggan, not Max Delton. Sorry, I've I, I popped four tops since then. Uh, Max awesome. Duggan had no. I'm I'm halfway through a twelve ouncer. Uh, Max Duggan has how many interceptions, Jeremy? None. Zero. He has zero he has interceptions. Three fumbles. Yep. With your and, band. And this time last year, they had they had uh, twelve turnovers with Sean Robinson. Twelve turnovers with Sean Robinson. So. Yeah, I did the math today. I, I I went back and looked at every game. It, hold on, I had it written down here. Oh, sorry, apologies. Apologies, it was eleven, but eleven through six games, and and this year you have eight less. The difference is, like you said, Jeff, and and we've asked Gary about this. Are you concerned about this? Are you concerned about your pass rush and you can tell he's a little irritated by it but he's not going to throw his team under the bus meanwhile all the guys that hear this when when they hear this they're they're going to top on the board oh he's not afraid to throw them under the bus is he he'll throw max duggan under the bus sorry had to get get that out of there but they have no takeaways in the last three games three or four games shamik blackshear man Oh, speak the truth. I don't friend. know what to I'll, even I'll say. say it, I, you don't have to get him on the he, bench. He he is a he is a great looking player. O'Shawn Mathis, uh, man, O'Shawn's a good kid, but I don't think I don't think his name's been called, but maybe one time the last three games. To be quite honest with you. And really, the only time it got called against, I think it was against Iowa State, is when Brock Purdy slid to the ground and O'Shawn Mathis just happened to be there to touch him, and he got credited with the sack. So the defensive ends have – the LJ Collier and, and Ben Banigou were much bigger losses than I, I think that, that Coach Patterson was ready to admit they would be. You know what I mean? It's for their for their team. It's the next guy up, next man up. But you lose two top fifty defensive ends in college football, first rounder, second rounder, and you're gonna you're gonna struggle on defense. Good thing is you had Corey Bethley and Ross Blacklock coming back, but they really haven't had that great of a year. Uh, they, you know, Blacklock they, had Ross, his moments, Ross but Bethley has not. Yeah, Ross Ross finally Ross finally started to show some things on Saturday. He really did. Um but overall that it's it's just they're they're doing great run defense. Run defense is there. Run defense is always there. But getting to the quarterback and just getting hurries and and, and maybe it, I'm I'm trying to look at it with the glass half empty, half full, however however you want to say it. Part of it is I know they're playing athletic quarterbacks, but when they played a guy like the plumber kid from Purdue that 
has no mobility. I felt that was one of those games where they should have at least got four or five sacks as a team. Against SMU, Shane Bouchelle runs around. Against Iowa State, Brock Purdy runs around. Skylar Thompson, he obviously runs around. They're, they're not going to have as much success getting to the quarterback as they would uh, teams that are pro-style teams. Now, this week against Texas, Texas has been very susceptible to giving up sacks. I think they gave up like – I think Oklahoma still collecting sacks from that game. I mean, it was enormous, enormous number. I think Kansas – Kansas – I don't know how many – I think they had four or five in that game on Sam. So their offensive line is not very strong. The bad thing for TCU is their defensive line isn't very strong. So I don't know how it's going to work out this Saturday. You know, that's as good a way as any to begin to transition into the Texas game. Texas beats Kansas 50-48. to 48. The, the Mad Hatter went for two with about a minute left. They were able to uh, get that two-point conversion, take a 48-47 lead, but they left barely enough time on the clock for Sam to drive the down the, the team down the field, and Dicker, the kicker, drives one through the uprights for the Longhorns to get the win. I think that's one of those games they're really glad was on the, big, uh, was on the Longhorn Network because uh, I, I know hundreds of thousands of people were looking to see if they had that channel just to watch Texas lose to Kansas, but they didn't. The, the Horns were able to pull that out. All right, let's pivot towards that. Jeremy, what do you what do you see the frog? What are one or two keys to this game that the frogs need to do in order to be in a spot to win this game? Because I got obviously they're gonna have to score. Obviously, they're gonna have to not only get pressure on Ellinger, but they're also gonna have to contain him, which may be curious with a uh, true freshman starting at linebacker. So what do you think are the one or two keys to this game in order to be able to 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 be in a spot to win the game late against Texas? Well, defensively, they've got to stop Sam. And I've already he's going to throw for 250 and probably rush for 90. I mean, that's that's the way it's been going for their defense this year um, with athletic quarterbacks. He's got great receivers to throw to. Colin Johnson tore up TCU last year. Now you got uh, Duvernay that's doing really well in the slot. He's, I think, leading the Big 12 in catches. He's averaging like eight or nine catches a ball game. Brendan Eagles is coming on strong. I, I'm not too worried about their running backs. I, don't, uh, I think TCU's done a – uh, a pretty fair job of containing running backs this year with the exception of how they played against Johnny Lang at Iowa state, but Sam Ellinger, they're, they're going to spread them out. They're going to, they're going to spread TC's defense out. They're going to, they're going to leave one guy in the middle. And unfortunately, Kansas state laid out a great blueprint on how you beat TCU. And, and, and they, they did it. They did it early in the game on a big third down conversion. They had, TCU left one backer in the box, and they were able to get a first down run, 12 yards, and then obviously everyone remembers the 61-yard run uh, late in the game. So you know that Tom Herman's going to just utilize that package against TCU because he knows they're not going to have very much success stopping it. And to be quite honest, I was surprised Kansas State didn't go to it more because – TCU, for the most part, did a pretty good job of shutting down Skylar Thompson running the football, but they also didn't run a lot of those quarterback draws that, that they did those where they had those two successful plays. So the second thing, they have got to have at least 200 yards through the air. Texas is basically starting 
four freshmen out there in the secondary. They're young. They're inexperienced. You, you would hope that this is a game that Max targets, which, by the way, he targeted Jalen 11 times this past game. You hope he targets Jalen at least 15 times this game. Jalen needs to have a big game, but Max has got to give him the opportunity to have a big game. So they've got to take advantage of that young defense. They've got holes everywhere. Caden Stearns isn't going to play. Uh, Thompson is questionable right now. I mean, if he's out, that's a huge loss for Texas. They've got young corners. They've got Texas is fast on defense. They're athletic. Yes, they have some holes, but they're this. This could be a game where Texas defense shuts down TCU to 17 points, and all of a sudden people start talking about Texas defense being great again. But they they have got Texas going to sell out trying to stop the run. They're going to try to probably shadow Max a little bit because everyone knows he can run now. But the receivers, him and the receivers, have got to get something established through the air. Plain and simple. If they can't you get know, something established in the air, this game's over before it even starts. TCU shouldn't even go on to the field. You know, this is statistically on track to be the worst defense in Texas history. And Texas fans are screaming for Todd Orlando's head. You want to talk about how fast you can go from the penthouse to the outhouse. Orlando was the hottest defensive coordinator in the country, uh, you know, 15 minutes ago. Uh, people were looking at him for head coaching jobs, and all of a sudden now he's uh, they, they're all calling for his head. So it's interesting how fast things can turn, and it's not just in Fort Worth. I don't think any fan base is happy in, in the Big 12 with everything minus Baylor in Oklahoma. Everybody's got complaints about their coordinators. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how, how Texas comes out. Obviously, they're going to force them to try to pass the ball. Will they? Will the frogs be able to maximize on that? I've, you know, you target Rager eleven times. That that should be a baseline. That should be a minimum for for a game. Yes. Uh, what? But what do they? How do they? How do they make the most of what they're giving them? And then how do they go ahead and decide to to make happen what they're trying to stop make happen? How do you still throw the? How do you still run the ball? when they're trying to commit to uh, stopping us from running the ball? And then how do you throw the ball when they don't really think that we can do it? So that's going to be an interesting chess match on that side of the of the, of the field with a, a lot of anxiety around TCU and their offensive coordinator, and then all of that anxiety around Todd Orlando with the fans that they have, watching them give up 48 to Kansas in a game they really, really should have lost. So how all that shakes out is going to be, we're going to have some predictions here in a minute, but how all that shakes out is going to be interesting because I don't think either, I know TCU fans are not happy with where they are and I'm pretty sure Texas fans are not happy with where they are. So they, they obviously got beat by double digits by Oklahoma, but you know, up until kickoff of Oklahoma, every Texas fan thought, man, we had that LSU game one. We should have won that LSU game. You know, if, if, if Ingram catches that, that, uh, that, that throwback pass, at the end zone, if they were able to score just one time when they got stuffed in the red zone, they could have beat LSU. Their fans aren't too yeah. happy right now, and understandably so. so. Well, they're they're unhappy, but they also have to understand they've played an LSU team, which has, surprisingly enough as it is to say, the number one offense in the country. I mean, I don't think anyone could have envisioned that. Then they've played Oklahoma State, which Oklahoma State moves the ball fairly well. They've got a good – uh, receiver in Tylen Wallace, a uh, good quarterback, and Spencer Sanders, obviously the best running back in the country right now, and Chuba Hubbard leading the nation. Uh, and then, and they've played Oklahoma, which everyone knows. All you got to say is Lincoln Riley, and you know you got a good offense. And th- 
the the one anomaly of that whole group is obviously Kansas. Uh, how the heck do you give up 48 to Kansas? And that's, that's what I don't want TCU fans being caught in that trap because you look at the way T, that, that was one of the, the, the better games that I've seen TCU play in the last two years. Uh, as bad as these last two years have been, that was, that was one of the more complete games they've played. I mean, Kansas didn't go over the hundred yard mark of total offense until the third quarter and TCU's offense, guess what? They, they were scoring, they, they scored 45 points that game. Um, you know, minus the the Jalen Rager touchdown, which gave him 51, and then, the, of course, the late touchdown. So, if you want to take the, the two touchdowns away, they still score 38 points on offense. So, they, they looked really good. And you look at the way Kansas was able to move the ball. Carter Stanley, I don't know where the – he he did something. I, I don't know, man. He – he did something great this week, and he was blessed with his performance. I, I don't know because against TCU, he he was borderline a Division One quarterback because he you know what he did throw the ball. No, what he, he do? He got a new he offensive shared, coordinator, right? No, they, he saw on Facebook that if you share this post, God would bless you, and he shared it, and so he got uh, blessed. Oh, shared it with ten friends too. Shared, shared it with, it with his, uh, rest of his offense. Shared it with those ten offensive players, and that's why they did well. Hey. It's not bad. I might do that. I think it works. Hey, send I know. me 10 requests, Jeff. Okay. Hey, I will do that. I will do that ASAP. <laughs> no, but I mean, he, he, I'm sitting there. I think, I think even the, the, the Longhorn guys, Ahmad Brooks was rooting for Carter Stanley. I think he was, I think he was getting, uh, taking great pleasure in seeing the Texas defensive backs just get beat time and time again. I mean, he was rooting for the guy. Here this guy is on Texas's payroll, basically. And it was funny just watching that game and, and, and watching how Carter Stanley was just throwing some dimes out there. I mean, he couldn't miss on some of these passes. But I knew when Sam Ellinger got the ball with the minute 11, I was like, there's no way Kansas is going to hold him. He's, he's going to go to Colin Johnson like three times, just like he did. And he's going to run a play. He's going to use his legs. And Kansas – Bless their hearts. They played. They played as good as they could, and they still couldn't get a win. And I think I even commented on the board that Les Miles probably needs to fire his defensive coordinator and and make a change and see how they play defense next week because obviously it worked great for offense. But yeah, I, I think a lot of people are rooting for uh, Kansas that game, but that's not going to be the Texas team we see on Saturday. I promise you that will not be the Texas team we see. All right, let's bounce around the rest of the Big 12. Let's keep an eye on here. Oklahoma blows out West Virginia 52-14. Iowa State beats Texas Tech 34-24. Daniel, the game that I know that you had a lot of uh, uh, interest in, Baylor 45, Oklahoma State 27 in Stillwater. I'm not going to lie. This is finally the game that got my attention because I think Iowa State is a better team than Baylor even though Iowa State lost. Texas Tech had that game won. Um, but Big 12 refs screwed it up. But Baylor, to their credit, they had the breaks that uh, that went their way. They had the ball bounce their way, figuratively and literally. And they just went out and they laid the wood to uh, Oklahoma State. How do you feel, Daniel, about a 7-0 and Baylor? Awful. That's it. I don't, was that the, that's it. Was that the real Daniel or was that just a drop? No, that's me. Oh, okay. I don't have drops of myself. 
Glad to hear you, Daniel. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Even after just seeing Daniel got put on, Daniel got put on probation, so he doesn't get to talk a whole lot this episode. So, oh, oh man. So Baylor is seven and zero. Frogs have them in a couple weeks, obviously in Fort Worth. So it'd be interesting to see how that how how that all that shakes out. They're talking about game day in Waco if Baylor is undefeated when they host an undefeated Oklahoma. So they're at eighteen. Um, I don't know if the 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 people ranking them still don't believe in them, but you know you're seven and zero. You didn't get there on accident. But Minnesota's seven and zero, so it's a it's a strange college football season. So SMU, we, SMU. Hey, SMU's shown me all I need to see. That's a that's a that is a rocking team. That is a rocking. That was a good win against Temple. I am likely going to be win at, against Temple because guess who picked Temple last week? This guy. This guy, I'm probably going to be at the SMU Memphis game, so I'll keep an eye on all that for us. Uh, nice. I know. It's, it's like three-quarters of a mile from my house. I figured I'd go. Oh, man. All right, well, let's get um, let's get on the record here with some predictions here. Let's start with uh, what's going on in the Big 12. we got some good games this week, obviously, as we've referenced. Let's go around the horn here and do some predictions. Uh Jeremy, I'll start with you. Kansas State is a 24-point uh, point underdog to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a 24-point favorite. Do the Sooners cover the 24, yes or no? Yes. So you got Oklahoma covering. Daniel, Oklahoma cover the 24? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think the same thing. I Now, here's a, here's a line I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Iowa State is a 10.5-point favorite over the Pokes. 10.5 points. When's the last time Mike Gundy was a 10.5-point underdog? Daniel, do you think Oklahoma? Do you think Iowa State covers with the 10.5? Oh, man, that's tough. I think they win, but I don't, I don't think they cover that. So you got Iowa State winning but not covering. Jeremy? Where's the game at? That game is at Jack Trice Stadium in Ames, Iowa. Give me the Cyclones. I was going to say yeah, Cyclones give, either way. Yeah. Give me Oklahoma State to cover and win outright. I think the Pokes bounce back. Ooh. So I know. I know. I'm going to be the contrarian there. Now, here's a pillow fight waiting to happen. Texas Tech in Kansas. Uh, Tech is a three-point favorite uh, in Kansas. The game is in, in Lawrence. So, the the Red Raiders three is a th- or a three point favorite. Do they cover Jeremy? Give me the Jayhawks, Daniel. Yeah, Kansas has improved and Tech is crap. So yeah, you know I don't really disagree with any of that. That all makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> now here's a game. Uh, Wisconsin laid an egg against the Fighting Illini, who are awful. That is barely a Division One program, as far as I'm concerned. But Wisconsin is playing <laughs> Ohio State. I know they are. That they're trash. I love it when you talk about Illinois. I mean, you ha- you have a genuine hate for that school, like Daniel does Baylor. And I I know you lived up there, but just the passion of hate that you have for them, I like it. I got a couple reasons why, and I'll tell you why. One, I grew up in Iowa, and Illinois fans were so proud of their program, and I could never understand why. They're, they won nothing, but they were they were so committed. Uh, and it wasn't like Iowa State fans until recently. It was just a different kind of uh, blind allegiance. 
But also my my wife, Marissa, went to Iowa State or went to Illinois and she hated it. And so if you think I hate the University of Illinois, you should meet my wife. She cannot stand the University of Illinois. So that's the reason why right there. So that's it's a I'm I'm just trying to be I'm trying to be a good husband. Uh, Iowa. All right. So we got Wisconsin in Ohio State in the horseshoe. The, the, The Buckeyes are a 14 point favorite over Wisconsin. Jeremy, do you think the Buckeyes cover the 14? Yes. And remember, boys, they were my dark horse for the college football playoff this year and the national champion, I think. Uh, we'll I have to open up that envelope at the end of the year. I don't know who's going to beat Ohio State, to be totally honest. Daniel, 14 points for the Buckeyes. Cover, yes or no? Easy. Yeah, this is a send your kid to college game. I think they're going to cover that. Um, I think that's a real, real easy cover. All right, one last game here. Let's go with LSU and Auburn. The Tigers, the LSU Tigers, excuse me, are 11 and a half point favorite in Death Valley over six and one Auburn. Jeremy, did LSU cover 11 and a half in Death Valley? Yes. Daniel? I was distracted. What was it? Uh, LSU is 11 and a half point favorite over Auburn. Yeah, I think so. All right, incoming hot take. Not only does LSU not cover, they lose. Auburn is going to beat LSU in Death Valley. So go ahead and write it down, mail it in. It's happening. It's over. So chaos is about to come. All right, let's get down and uh, down and dirty with the only game that matters. Uh, Texas is coming to Fort Worth. The Horns are going to play the Horn Frogs. This game opened at a two and a half point favorite for the Frogs. All the sharp money started to hammer in on Texas. Texas is now a one and a half point favorite on the road. Jeremy, let's just go straight up predictions here. What is your prediction for this score with the number fifteen Longhorns coming to Fort Worth to take on the Horn Frogs? What do you got? Texas, 31, TCU, 17. Daniel. I'm going to go more like 35, 21, Horn. Here it is. Write it down. Remember it. Remember it. 31, 30. 3130 Horn Frogs, Jonathan Song, 46 yarder to win the game. Write it down. If you would have said Texas, I would have remembered because you've never, ever picked against TCU. <laughs> That's not true. I picked against TCU against Oklahoma. When? Last year and the year before. 2005? I, no, I picked against TCU a couple times. Okay. If the Horn Frogs are I'm playing, I'm starting to like picking against them. Yeah. Well, it's been a it feels weird. So There's no telling how much money Daniel's winning. <laughs> now, those, uh, those European, those those websites he sends me that ends with .eu. I'm like, huh? What is that? <laughs> I would pick if the Horn Frogs were playing a team of midget Dickas. I would take the the Dickas. So. I do know that. I would bet against the Frogs against the Ditka. So. All right. Well, I'm gonna... All right. We're going to bring this show to an end here, unless you guys got anything else to add to the cause. Uh, 
I'll probably uh, figure out who's going to be on campus this week, probably by Thursday. So if anyone's wondering uh, what recruits want to be there or will be there, I'll more than likely have a list. Hopefully by Friday, get some calls out, find out from these kids who's going to be there, see which ones confirm to me that they will be there. You know, the last thing I forgot to mention, the over-under on this is 60. So they're looking at like 31, 28-ish, something like that, 30, 38, 33, 30, something. You know, they're, they're, they're expecting a, the Frogs to put up more points or Texas to just blow the doors off. So interesting to see how that goes. All right, I'm going to make a shameless a plug here. I had a dream it was going to be 60 to 20. I, I, my favorite score is always 62 22. That's one of my favorites. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and make a shameless plug here real quick. If you are in the DFW area, specifically the west half of the Metroplex, and you have nothing to do on Sunday morning, uh, yours truly is going to be preaching at First Christian Church in Alito, Texas. They worship at 11 o'clock. This is a country church, man. You don't have to get all dressed up like you're going to Walmart or anything. Um, it's an hour service. I'm preaching. I'd love to come. If you're part of this board and you got to go to church somewhere or you're like, hey, I don't go all that often, but I'll go and meet a bunch of frog fans. Jeremy is it told me he may come. And if the sermon gets really bad, he will scoot, scoot to the back and uh, give some uh, inside information. So if you really yes, want to know I what's going on. That. Okay. You promised That's that. That's a promise. That's a promise. Yep. If Jeff gets boring, I will scoot to the back pew and... All you guys wanting to know secret inside, super secret inside information, just come back there. And Jeff will start looking at us and, and wonder what scoop he's missing out on. I, I will start calling down the prophetic thunder on all of you all. Is, um, <laughs> is there going to be a potluck? No, there's, there's no potluck. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Potluck. sorry, I can't make it. <laughs> I haven't heard the word potluck in probably like five years, maybe longer. No, there's no potluck. What I would like is some chicken express. If somebody would bring me some chicken express before worship, that'll I got to carb up before I preach. So They've got a chicken express in Willow Park. Oh, I know. I used to eat there all the time. That's why I used to weigh 250 pounds. I, I used to be the minister at this church, and when I was pastor there, I'd it's, go up to It's a nice one Willow now. Park. It's I not know. in the gas pretty, station. Pretty. Yeah. No, this oh, chicken express. He's gas. talking about chicken express, not, not your church. He's oh chicken express. Is no, I know one. the chicken express <laughs> used to be in the gas station. Oh, I heard that, bro. I heard that. Come at me, bro. So no, if somebody wants to bring chicken express or good donuts, I would appreciate that. So you're not going to come yeah, down here and, and go over to Himes at all. I'm going to go to Heim. I don't know when, but uh, yeah, I'm going to okay. go to Heim. Probably, probably Saturday after the game, I might go. I'm looking forward to you sitting next to me in the press box on Saturday. And I'm wondering if I'm going to have to calm you down like I used to have to my old friend, Jeremiah. He's still my friend, but I miss him in the press <laughs> box sometimes because he used to get fired up. No Let it be known I was not invited to the press box. I see how it is. No one asked. I'm not uh, rude like that. Jeff wasn't rude. Well, he I, said, hey, you think it would be a problem if I sat in the press box? said, I could find out. And Mark's a huge fan of Jeff's. What? So, 
when I started this thing, Mark shut me down like a big dog. <laughs> I was trying to get a media pass. <laughs> we can probably get you one now. He was very diplomatic, though. Give him props. Mark's but he basically told me to shove it. <laughs> I doubt that. Mark is a great guy. He's as good as they get. Where man. are you going to be sitting at, Daniel? We'll come say hi to you before the game. Uh, I don't know. It varies. I get You're tickets from away. random people and sit at random spots. Oh, I thought you had season tickets. I used to. Oh. You're not going, are you? No, I'll go. Okay. Well, I'll be there, and I'll be there with bells on. So I hope to be hope to see you at the game. Uh, come on out to worship if you're bored. First Christian Alito, it'll be fun. Eleven o'clock hour service. You can't beat that, man. You can't beat that. Uh, all right, so let's bring this show to a merciful end. If you haven't yet, get online and subscribe to us on iTunes or Apple Podcast or your podcasting app of choice. We would love for you to give us a rating and a review. Subscribe, and that way this show will drop right into your uh, feed as soon as this show gets posted. Also, you are. Uh, we want to encourage you to join HornFrogBlitz.com. It's an easy way for you to stay connected to our community, up to latest updates on recruiting, what's going on inside of the program, and Jeremy with his ability, his ability to hand out press passes to anyone. He knows what's going on inside the program, and if anything breaks, you will be the first to know. So until our next episode, where we will come back and recap a big win over the Texas Longhorns, for Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the broadcast.